I greet you with the spirit of Christ this beautiful Sunday morning. It is good to see half of your face here with us. And I thank you for those who are joining through the internet uh, that you experience God ministering to you where you need God most. As Kevin said, our scripture today is considered a parable, but it doesn't fit the formula that Jesus' other parables do. You see, it's pretty straightforward what's there not to understand. I wonder if Jesus was tired of teaching using parables because people perhaps just weren't getting it. So he decided to take a break and he just laid it out for everyone and for us. William Barclay writes, although it may not seem to be so now, this passage, when it was first spoken, is well nigh the most revolutionary passage in the New Testament. Jesus has been arguing with the legal experts about different aspects of the traditional law. He has shown how rigid adherence to the traditional law can actually mean disobedience of the law of God. But here he says something more startling. He declares that nothing that goes into a person can possibly defile a person. And Barclay reminds us that no Jew ever believed that. They had a long list of animals that were unclean and may not be used for food. And they had rigid hand-washing rituals. So let's hear what the Gospel of Mark has to say to us. And as I read the Gospel to you, invite the Holy Spirit to say something to you about this in your life and with your experiences. And ask yourself, what's in my heart? Hear now the words of our God, taken from Mark 7, verses 14 through 23. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from, from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sewer? And thus he declared all food clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within the human heart that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Let a, the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord and Savior, our source of life, of love, and grace. Amen. Beloved, for over a month now, I've wondered why this parable spoke to me and why I felt led to lift it up in worship today. It speaks to so much of what we're currently experiencing in life. 
It speaks about the human condition and how we understand life on different levels. It speaks about how we've bogged down our religion with making rules about who's in and who's out. It speaks about how we judge those who are different from us. It speaks about following rules which perhaps need to be changed. And it speaks about what defiles a person. I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing all the defilement that exists in our world today. The dictionary defines defile as to sully, spoil, debase, degrade, pollute, profane, violate. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of how we people are treating those who don't think the same or dress the same or understand science and this pandemic we're all in in the same way. I'm tired of hearing one politician put down another. I'm tired of hearing myths, truths spoken so freely on the news. I'm tired of the greed and violence that I see around me in the street and on, on, in stores. I'm so ready for us to allow our hearts to be changed to the point where we say, no more, stop being greedy. Stop being nasty. Stop putting others down who you disagree with. Let's listen to one another. Let's listen to what Jesus says to us. To love God, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to live fully into the kingdom of God. So let's look at rules for a moment. A number of months ago, pre-COVID, when you could go freely shopping and it was easy, Brad and I went shopping. My husband needed a new dress shirt and he, we went to a men's store. He picked out one that he liked from the table. He paid for it. And just as he was putting his change away, another salesman came up and put a sign on the same table from where my husband's shirt had come that said three for the price of one. Well, Brad, being a sensible person, said, that's great, let me choose two more shirts. To which the sales, our salesman said, no, you can't. Well, that took us both by surprise, as you can imagine. And after much conversation <laughs> between my husband and the sales clerk, the sales clerk said that he could return the one shirt and pick out three new shirts from the table and purchase them. To which my husband said, well, I'll just keep this shirt and I'll pick out two new. Oh, no, this, this shirt has to go into the back room to be taken to another store. Anyway, the whole procedure took close to 30 minutes because, of course, the computer registry went down and everything had to be filled out with pen and paper. Frustration was felt, as you can imagine. Energy was wasted because someone strained to keep the rules without any variance at all. Many of us have experienced those times when people want the rules to be kept regardless of the circumstances. Most of us at some time encounter people who act as though the most important thing is to follow the rules. Now, I'm a rule follower. I like them. I feel safe with rules. Now, I might speed a little bit, but I do try to stay within the rules of, of uh, speed. But I think rules are important. They give us boundaries to live within, and it's within the boundaries that we can experience freedom and grace.
But I also think that rules need to make sense, and at times they need to be flexible to allow grace to be present, and sometimes rules need to be changed. For instance, the basis for hand washing in Judaism was originally related to the temple service and sacrifices as outlined in Exodus chapter 30. Before going into the tent of meeting, Aaron and his sons were to wash their hands and their feet. In the wake of the destruction of the temple, everything changed. There were no longer ritual objects and processes to be followed. Still, the rabbis did not want to lose the importance of hand washing, so they moved it to the dining room table, which was also the home altar. And in essence, they attempted to bring the holy into everyday life, which is a good thing. But at some point, what was meant to be a life-giving practice became a means of designating insiders from outsiders. It had somehow become an empty ritual, which was no longer leading people to feel closer to God. And by empty ritual, I'm not putting down hand washing. Really, the Jews were very smart. Cleanliness was important, and it's still important today. But the ritual of hand washing Jesus is addressing looked a lot like what we see our surgeons and nurses performing as they prepare for surgery. Hands had to be held a certain way. Water had to be poured a certain way. The drying of the hands had to take place in a certain way. Jesus has always been saying that people matter more than the rules. Now, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He had come to take people, to take us, beyond external practices and lead us to a deeper understanding of what they meant for the inner person. It is perfectly possible to keep up a good image, but Jesus warns that this is not enough. What is required is purity, not just purity without, but it is from inner promptings that evil actions come, that defilement comes. There may be external temptations, but it is the disposition within that cause a person to give in to temptation. And these are hard words which ring true for us as much as they did for the Pharisees. Jesus was saying that only persons can be really defiled and that what defiles a person is his or her own actions, which are the product of his or her own heart. Every outward act of sin is preceded by an inward choice, act of choice. And Jesus names the evil intentions that come from within. He names them fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. No one can make any of us choose to act in these ways. We choose it ourselves. But Jesus gives us a way to combat the temptations to defile ourselves and each other. Jesus invites his disciples and Jesus invites us to do two things, to love God and to love one another. We shouldn't think that Jesus came to let us off the hook when it comes to obeying God's commands. 
Jesus doesn't make it easier for us to live the life of faith. In many ways, he makes it harder. He turns the world and how we look at it upside down. He challenges us to observe the commandments of the Lord your God diligently as found in Deuteronomy by fulfilling the spirit of the commands and not just the letter. Jesus follows the tradition of the biblical prophets when he insists that faith should include one's whole life. From the very beginning, those who profess faith are to show that their faith truly makes a difference in how they live their lives. And one such man who stepped outside the rules or the definition of his job description lives in Kentucky. A few weeks ago, a story started circulating, and you might have seen it in the news. But this man, the sanitation worker, noticed that on his route, uh, there were no trash cans left outside of a certain house for up to two weeks, and he became concerned. He had known that an elderly woman lived there. So he said something to his supervisor, and his supervisor looked up the address and looked up the name and called her. And she said, Mrs. Smith, we noticed you haven't put out your cans for a while. Are you okay? And Mrs. Smith replied, I guess I'm okay. I haven't put out my cans because I haven't any trash, because I haven't any food, and I don't have any containers that have turned into trash. So, uh, and I don't have any family to help me. Well, after a long pause, the supervisor said, you do now. We are your family. And so she let the sanitation worker know what she had found out. And the next day, the sanitation worker knocked on this woman's door and said, ma'am, would you give me a grocery list? And he said, you know, what sorts of things do you need? Basically, she said, well, everything. My refrigerator's empty and my pantry's empty. I've just been finishing up what crackers I had and water. So he said, I'll be back in a little while. And he returned a little while longer with over 10 bags of groceries. And he helped her stock her refrigerator and stock her pantry. For a woman, he hardly knew. There were tears, there was air hug that met social distancing protocol. And the sanitation worker walked out of the house of this woman. He had decided to reach out beyond the bounds of his job description. He broke the rules. He got involved with someone when he was meant to be, his job description said, you maintain a distance with the people you serve. But he reached out and he made a difference in this woman's life and church broke out. His supervisor shared the creed with this elderly woman, you have a family now. Relationships were formed and community grew. This man stepped outside the rules of just doing his job to follow the Spirit's nudging to look into what the Spirit had led him to notice. He learned to see the world through the people that surround him. Beloved, the way we live our lives demonstrates the quality of our faith. Faith is a matter of how we use our words, how we treat the powerless and destitute, 
and how we include those who are different from us and who might make us feel uncomfortable. The plain but challenging truth is that authentic faith has always been about God's grace changing our heart and mind so that it changes the way we live. Authentic faith will lead us to do that which is uncomfortable if it shows we can love our neighbor. Authentic faith is about a different way of living that flows naturally from a heart that has been changed by God's love and mercy and grace, and therefore a heart that can do no less than seek to make all of life about loving God and loving others. So let us live the truth found in the Latin hymn, Ubi Caritas, where charity and love are, there God is. The love of Christ has gathered us into one. Let us exalt and in him be joyful. Let us fear and let us love the living God. And from a sincere heart, let us live, love God and love each other. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, we see a lot around us and Help us not to fall into the temptation of repeating things that we hear or that we read that lead to lessening the value of life. But create in us, O God, a clean heart so that we may live into the calling that you place on all of us to love you and to love one another and to love ourselves. Help us to be carriers of your light in this world your healing touch. Help us to extend forgiveness and love and grace to all. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.